This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation. Man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk man. I back it up. And we are sock full of that, man. That's right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. And that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold sets up. If you're going to blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe. Wherever you're listening, however you're listening, we just thank you so much for supporting Longhorn Blitz and being along with us for another presentation. Got a lot to get to. Let's not waste any time. Before we get into this week's proceedings, though, make sure you search Horns 24-7 anywhere you get your podcast. Click that follow button. Get every episode of Longhorn Blitz whenever it drops Tuesday afternoons. Anywhere on your various podcast platforms of choice. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review. Also, get over to Horns 24-7, the latest and greatest in Longhorn team news, notes, nuggets, and the best recruiting coverage in the Texas market is over at Horns 24-7. Let me bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drive machine extraordinaire, our lead research analyst on Longhorn Blitz, and a daily fantasy guru. He is Matt Butler. How are you, sir? Doing pretty well, man. How about you? I am terrific, and a man who's always terrific no matter what he's got going on, and a man who can talk about a number of topics because he is a renaissance man. But for the purposes of this show, he is our lockdown corner on Longhorn Blitz. Lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All-American, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL. When he was done with football, he got himself back to Austin, Texas, and the 40 Acres where he earned his degree Whenever that T-ring comes back in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card carrier member of DBU, and when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. Thank you for the intro, brother. Great intro, as always. Yes. Appreciate it. I'm ashamed, to, I'm ashamed to admit, Rod, I, uh, I'm getting back uh, for about a year now. I've been back getting into the sports card and collectibles oh, scene because yeah. it's, nice. it's a lot of fun. I have stuff, fun there just chasing stuff down. Bought some bought some vintage cards. Somebody's doing a Facebook fire sale. Bought some vintage football the other day. Got Whoa. like a 70, was it a second year? Instead of been a 72 Mean Joe Green top. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah, for just a couple bucks. You know, That's some, some we're getting so finds. old. Yeah. I was thinking you were going to say something from like the 90s or 80s. No, nah, man. 70s, like that's yeah. some vintage. Got a seven, 73 there. tops OJ Simpson. I think wow. there's a 79 Walter Payton in there. Man. So, yeah. That's, that's for real. But I'm ashamed to admit, in all my, and I'm going through, and kind of one of the, my personal collection projects is Longhorn football rookies. Mm. Uh, like I bought stuff dirt cheap. Like I bought a really nice Roy Williams uh, Topps Pristine Refractor. 
Uh, the for like two, two or three, two or three bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's uncirculated, so it's still in the case. I don't have a Rod Babers rookie card in my collection, but I've got my eye on a couple. I'm surprised it's. it's I'm surprised there are any out there. Honestly, not not because I'll tell you what. I don't want to spoil the not fun. Not because it's coveted, just because. I mean, it's not gaining. It's not. It's not. It's not. You can't monetize it. It's not going to get you any money. I've I've I mean, found I like found eight, one eight cents. I found one, and if I know if I buy it, it will be one of the more expensive Longhorn rookies I've purchased. That's because there's not a lot of them out there too. It's like, <laughs> why would anybody want this car? I'm going to jack up the price on this idiot. That would actually be awesome. <laughs> it, must, it must be Rod I'm Babers. So I'm going to jack up the price on Rod Babers because he's the only one that no, would pay. No man, I'll buy this one. A dollar sixty eight for the Bowman. Can go get that There's right now. I'll get that one. Dollar sixty eight for the. So. I bought a bunch of them at one time because I it was a bunch of them on like eBay for a while. So I bought a bunch just so because my my wife by the time we were dating and she was like you should have some of them. That's crazy because yeah. I had like one or two. She's like you should have a bunch of these. Cause, you got two, yeah. two, two really uh, two, gold refractor for fourteen bucks. You've got uh, that's the one I was looking at the Bowman Gold uncirculated. I didn't know go. Rod was in that Let set, that. but he's in that Same set. Same one, yeah. but a yeah. fancy one. It's an I got, yeah. I don't know if I have one the like the reflector or fancy one, but I do have a couple. Um, you got the right. Bowman, the Bowman base. There's the Upper Deck Finite set yep. you're also in. And then a, yeah. there's like your second or third year. You got the tops total where it's you and Bracey Walker on the same card. Yeah. Um, and actually, I want to say they, yeah, they got the, they got one of those wrong, too. Yeah, it's somebody else's image. It's somebody else's <laughs> image, and they said it was Bracey Walker. Th- yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that car, too. Yeah. No, I, no I, that's an Eric car. Maybe they'd be worth something. That's actually true, too. Those actually, <laughs> randomly, that would be the Nobody one that's would know that. the most with me because it's an Eric card. Yeah, I got a few of them, though. I probably should go stalk, uh, at least go cyber stalk the a Rod B uh, cards and try to get Good as idea. many of them as can. No, now, somebody might try to buy that. Now I got to buy that. I got to buy mm-hmm. that Bowman Gold before this show oh, comes that out. Oh, I don't want anybody to get it now. So. Yeah, because well, they at least to Riley shouldn't have mentioned that, but uh, it's such is life. Yeah. No, um, I got I got a bunch of them, though. Nice. But I'll, 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 I'll get a, I'll get a Rod B, a Rod B. Yeah, I mean, I can give you one, too. I got a bunch of them. I probably got at least 15. Nice. Oh, wow. So you went on a spree, huh? Yeah, one guy. I mean, I know he's a one guy just had a bunch of them. I don't even know why he had so many. <laughs> I mean, it's a work for the card industry. Or a lot of people collect Longhorns, Rod. Yeah, like there, there is that. Yeah, a lot of people Pile just collect Longhorns. It's true. Uh, so the next group of Longhorns that could be in the National Football League and have the benefits like you know an NFL wage or a rookie card or whatever. A uh, couple of guys at the combine: Cameron Dicker and Josh Thompson. Rod, what do you think of Josh Thompson's combine? Because I liked it. He did what I felt he needed to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't hurt himself and probably four, four actually flat. helped himself. Yeah, went four four flat and. What is my computer doing? Because I had these measurables yeah. right in front of me. Yeah, yep. five eleven and a half, one ninety four arms, thirty and seven eighths inches, and hands nine and three eighths inches, and a four four flat in the forty. I love it. I really do. I think he did exactly what he needs to do. Now it was, you know, technically the fastest uh, combine in modern history. Because mm-hmm. I mean, you had fastest DB group, fastest wide receiver group ever. That group. So of course, that four four flat. Usually would have a little more value. I think it loses a little bit value just because it doesn't have the cachet because you had a ton of sub four four guys out there. Like what was there? I think twelve defensive backs um, broke four four. Like, oh man, it might have been four. I had the numbers written down here. I'll get them for you in a second. But I will say that I think for for him, one of the things that helps him, he'll he'll take that Adrian Phillips route or you know that PJ Lock route to the league where they didn't have stellar standout campaigns necessarily in college, but they were consistent starters that ended up, you know, developing 
a multitude of mm. tools as defensive backs and had a lot of versatility. And that's why Adrian Phillips is now, you know, with Belichick mm-hmm. and signed a contract with him because Belichick likes his defensive backs to have versatility so he can move them around the chessboard. Also, those guys manufacture depth at the NFL level. That's why P.J. Locke, right, was coveted because guy can play a lot of positions. I remember Coach Akina telling me that he loved Adrian Phillips because he could play every position in the secondary if needed. That is something that, you know, that's a skill, um, that versatility, that multiplicity. That is something that's coveted at the NFL level because you can play backup safety but also be my third-string corner mm-hmm. and be my dime, my nickel, all those guys. And I think if you're Josh Thompson, that is the route you're, yeah, sure. you're going to try to take. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Josh Thompson, again, what are we thinking, guys? Definitely day three pick, but probably, you know, we're thinking like maybe seventh round, the borderline undrafted free agent. Ryder, you think he probably got himself into like that – that fifth round mix, fifth, sixth round mix. I got. I haven't done my research on how deep the draft is at DB. I'm assuming it's pretty deep, just the way that some of those guys performed yeah. at the combine. Um, like I said, that's why I said Adrian Phillips and the PJ Lockrod. Those guys were undrafted. Mm-hmm. So that that's why, because I think he'll be close to being more of an undrafted guy. Quandre Quandre was a sixth round. pick. Quandre was a sixth. So I don't honestly. I I don't see him necessarily right now as getting drafted, but I could be wrong about that. I see yeah. him as an under priority undrafted free agent for someone who really likes his skill set. Yeah, yeah, and he and you know with NFL like these days with just the fit and then people like you know I have heard a lot about Josh Thompson just being a really cerebral player and you know maybe if he yep. fits in with the team I know the Dolphins were talking a lot with him it seemed like at least the people around there were very interested mm-hmm. in Josh Thompson but when you look at the clumping of cornerbacks like you had three guys run four three nines three guys run four three eights Josh Thompson's the only four four guy but I mean that's just all clumped together. The only ones that really separated themselves are three guys, and they're all from the state of Texas, being Kalen Barnes, you know, 4-2-3, but then UTSA's Tariq Woolen, 4-2-6, and then Zion McCollum, 4-3-3 out of Sam Houston State. They were all kids from Texas, the fastest corners. Everybody else is sort of clumped down, and he's in a group right there. I mean, you're ahead of Sauce Gardner in speed, so at least you put up all the measurables that you want. I think that's why I think he you're, you're projecting him more as a, a sub you know, kind of a, a sub-package guy. Like, I don't mm-hmm. see anybody saying, as, oh, no, he's going to be our corner in the league. I, I don't Because I don't think his coverage skills are necessarily exactly. what, what you're going to look at him and say that this is a, to me, this is a elite skill for him. It's his coverage skill. I don't know if it is. Uh, I think the elite tools with him, more, it's more about his versatility. You can move him around a lot of different pieces, and you don't have significant drop-off when you put him at safety or you put him at, corner or you put him at nickel which he has played all those at mm-hmm. texas yeah to me that's that's, that's where it, huge yeah that is huge because it also shows you yeah you talked about football iq shows mm-hmm. you that a guy that can master positions really quickly in the nfl that's a lot of it too a lot of guys they never understand coverages got great Come skill got great yeah got a great ability but they never understand coverages so unless they play in man coverage mm-hmm. <laughs> most of the guys they yeah. never really get it so there's a lot that goes in there. That's why guys like P.J. Locker are still in the league and guys like Adrian Phillips have made a career out of it. Mm-hmm. And to boot, we talk about, you know, what's going to help you if you're a late-round pick or an undrafted free agent where you're probably going to have to make a roster. You probably have to do it on special teams. Josh Thompson mm-hmm. came right off the bat was, other than Michael Dixon, maybe the best special teams player Texas had yeah. in 2017 as a true freshman. Sure. Uh, and, Rod, you, you served that role in the NFL as a, a gunner, a jammer, uh, kick kickoff kickoff coverage guy. Yeah. Uh, that that look. I know we're saying that, and like it's not knocking Josh Thompson. Like, oh, he's only that guy. That that kind of role can get you paid. 
it why can. You, why you get your feet wet? It can. I, I, and I, I totally agree with that. And that's the only reason I made it on, you know, different five different teams was able to make rosters is because I was just a special teams guy and I had the special teams coach that was arguing for me. But I will say in this day and age, they are they are de-emphasizing special teams. You're living True. in the NFL now. There are less punt returns for touchdowns, less kick returns for touchdowns than ever before. And mm-hmm. the NFL is still saying we need to make the game safer. We need to we actually need to throttle back the kickoffs even more, throttle back the punts even more. They don't really care about the kicking game anymore. So I'm not saying the teams don't. Teams still need it but to win games. Yeah, exactly, right? Yeah, having a it's guy sort of a, on you, your roster as that being a priority for you, it's not as – I think the NFL itself is starting to de-emphasize just with the rule changes and everything it'd else. Be, if DKR was coaching these days, that's where he'd throw those potential guys because he's like, yeah, hey, yeah, we got potential, but, you yeah. know, that means you aren't doing much right now, so let's have yeah. them be on our special teams filling out the roster. You it's know, just, like that's Yeah, the special, the special teams aspect, it's one of those deals. If you're – you know, if they're planning on – Yeah, let's yeah. say they're planning on carrying – what does an NFL team usually carry, Rod? Let's say you carry five corners, right? Mm-hmm. And if you're, if it's between you and somebody else for that fifth spot, well, you know, Thompson's a better special teams player. He he can help us cover kicks. Or and Thompson may safety. play exactly right. He can play safety, play dime, plays on our dime package. So it can't too. hurt you. Yeah, that's exactly what they do. That's the more the more things you have in your tool belt. Yeah, the more things you can be. do for the roster. It's how you make manufactured death. That's yeah, I, literally I, what we talk about. Yep. I've said this on, I've, I've written this on at Horns 24-7. I've said this on my show, on Mike the Tower. Texas fans just need to get their head right for this to be a really long draft weekend and a draft weekend, mm-hmm. quite frankly, that you probably don't need to pay too much attention to because the coverage is going to do not a whole lot except make you mad because it's going to be a bad draft for the Longhorns. You're going to hear the talking heads, what's wrong with Texas? What's wrong with Texas? The same thing that's been wrong with Texas for the last 10 years that you guys have been talking about. I think it's very possible that the only guy that gets drafted, we talk about de-emphasizing special teams, but again, you still need a guy that can kick field goals. You still need a punter. Man, Cameron Dicker might be the first Longhorn drafted. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, obviously, it's always that. That's always a long shot for a kicker. Period. But you know, he can do multiple things. We just got done talking about manufacturing depth. If he's if he's your starting kicker, he also can be your backup punter. If he's your starting punter, he can be your backup kicker. He can be the, you know, the the kickoff specialist for you. He he do, he can do all those different things. So I'm with you. There's a shot that someone says, man, I don't want anybody else to get him because this guy's can make or break our special teams next year. We can get him at a bargain, be our kicker for the next 10 years, or be our punter and kick whatever it is. So I'm with you. He's got a shot. He's got, he's got a shot. shot. He's got a uh, shot. But, you know, anytime I talk about kickers getting drafted, I'm like, well, Justin Tucker wasn't drafted, and he's probably going to go down as the best to ever yeah. do it. So. Yeah, that's why it's a long Ju- shot. Justin Tucker can go undrafted. Any kicker can go undrafted. He'll be a priority free agent, I can tell you that right oh, now. Oh, for sure. There's no yeah. doubt. There, if, the, if he is undrafted, as soon as the draft is over, there will be at least eight to ten teams that will be hitting up Cameron Dicker. It's very no possible doubt. we go through the draft and there's not a longhorn taken. It's very possible that happens. Yeah, because yeah, those two are really about all yeah. that was. Because uh, at pro day, nobody's. Uh, we don't anticipate anybody at pro day having a just a spectacular showing. Pro, pro day happen. on Thursday, and we're sitting here recording this on Tuesday. I was thinking about this. You know, of guys that can even get into a camp. I think Derek Kerstetter maybe gets into a camp. Uh, I don't see him making a roster. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't see him making a roster. Uh, as a if somebody's in need of a tight end, does a guy like Cade Brewer become a camp body? That's really what we're talking about. How many of these guys can become camp bodies? Yeah, the Cade Brewer one is interesting. Could a guy like Jacoby Jones be a camp? I don't body? know if Cade Brewer's a good enough blocker. 
Yeah, that was the one thing. Not, they're not bringing him in as a pass catcher. No. You'd be bringing him in as a blocker. And He's no he, Jeff Swain. He's no Andrew Beck. That, right. Those guys are top-end exactly. tools on one side, exactly. and that's where the NFL, they don't need mediocre, middling anything. They need an elite tool. Jeff, but I will say Jeff they Swain like versatility. Jeff Swain got a contract as a, as a blocker. Yeah, and Kerstetter, versatile. Yeah. And play any position on the offensive line if you need him to. Ooh, mm-hmm. that's real big. Yeah. As long as there's not a significant drop-off, and you can play all of them at a reasonably high level. And I see NFL, so that's <laughs> that definition changes drastically. That's where, like, your Ly- Lyle Sinline make you careers do because yeah. you weren't great in college, but you're above average, or you know, and then you can do multiple things. You can make a roster that way. Once you make mm-hmm. a roster, then you can earn that spot. And who knows? One injury, you're a starter. Chris Other than Thompson and Dicker, I'll give you the third guy who I think has the best chance to make a roster. Justin Motter is a deep snapper. Mm, okay, yeah. I agree with you on that. Deep snappers are <laughs> tough, man. It, you know, it's an, it, it. Like I said, it's one of those jobs that once you get it in the league, you're probably gonna stick around for ten to twelve years in and the you, league, and, you and you'll what, probably be able to retire whenever you want to. And you know what teams like about deep snappers, Rod, especially rookie deep snappers? Cheap. They're real cheap. Mm-hmm. Cheap. I listened to a hilarious nine minutes yeah. of twenty-two seconds of Bill Belichick discussing the depths of oh, long man. snappers just on a random Monday press conference after a game, and they asked him, and he went in detail. So if Modder's that good, who knows? Maybe Bill would go after. Him. Oh no, you're right because basically teams just don't like. Oh, once they got to sign a deep snapper to that second or third contract, you're thinking, okay, we got to go find us a young deep snapper. I'm not, I'm not gonna pay. I'm not paying veteran minimum millions of dollars for this damn deep sort of long snapper. Yep. So, Contract yeah. two guys. Yep, that's exactly right. So keep it on, Justin Motter. Like this that. this could be the, the this draft class could be the specialist class for Texas in terms of I can see that. the two guys that have the most NFL longevity mm-hmm. with Cameron, or maybe it's Josh Thompson. I don't know, but just wrap your head around. It's not going to be a very deep draft. Uh, it might have sure. been a deeper draft. Rod had one of these defensive linemen or edge guys stepped up in twenty twenty one and gotten themselves mm-hmm. in a position to be drafted and had some of those guys making NFL decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, been able to move on to the next level. Yeah. But we've talked about it as, as we wrap up our uh, position-by-position, group-by-group look at this roster heading into spring practice. We go to the defensive line, and I've given you the numbers on just how abysmal Texas was getting after the quarterback. 1.67 sacks per game, lowest per-game sack total since 1997. Ben Davis with two-and-a-half sacks, the lowest total for a Texas season leader in sacks since the program started recording them as an official statistic in 1975. So we know, and we talked about how bad the edges were. Your inability to set the edge basically caused the structural integrity. By the way, Rod, I've borrowed that term from you because I just love it so much. Yeah, I heard you use it a lot. Yeah, I was like, okay, okay. <laughs> uh, the structural integrity of your defense was just so bad, and a lot of it had to do with the edges. But one thing that. Uh, and Rod, I think was it you or Kevin Dunn? I forget which, or maybe it was both of you. After the even after the Louisiana game, I mean, you know, this defensive line, this interior D line, eh, they're not really. That was like da- my man Kevin Dunn brought that up. They're he not really like, disruptive. Ah. He just like they didn't put up, have a push. And then I heard Brian Jones say the same thing. Actually, that that same week he was like, man, I'm telling you, that defensive line didn't really look good to me. Mm-hmm. And I thought I heard I heard one of the person say it too. And I went back and looked, and I was like, yeah, it really didn't give a huge push. I just thought, okay, maybe Louisiana's a lot better than we thought. Got to give some props to Louisiana because their offensive line wasn't terrible. And their line and, was one of their strengths. Yeah, so I I thought, yeah, you know, what I mean, that's maybe that was it. But now it turns out the D line was just. And then the Arkansas game happened. Yeah, and then we figured out the both lines of scrimmage. So were terrible. <laughs> I'm, you know. As I think back to last year, 
right around this time last year and even last off, just last offseason in general. And I went back and started looking at and thinking about some of the things Sark said in terms of kind of the style of play that he wanted Texas to have. And what do you what do you want on defense? Yeah. He talked about wanting to be aggressive, attacking. I'm like, there was nothing aggressive and attacking about the Texas defense last year. And to me, yeah, that starts at the point of attack. It starts up front. And one of the reasons we talked about it, why you were so susceptible to wide zone runs your inability to defend them. We talked about, again, last week with the linebackers. Give the Texas linebackers a lot of eye candy. Give them more to process. Yep. But a lot of that goes back to, Rod, you got zero, zero penetration up front some weeks. Yeah, you just didn't have any guy, any person, any D lineman up front or edge guy that could win a one-on-one battle consistently. Now, guys would do it sporadically. Um, and it'd be great, but I'm talking about consistently. I'm talking about you win, you're one-on-one 70% of the time. You didn't have that. It was always kind of a 50-50 shot whether that guy was going to win their one-on-ones. So if you, that, if, you don't, if you can't do that, that means you don't have anyone who demands a double team. Really hard to win the numbers game up front yeah. when you don't have people that can win one-on-ones or you don't have a guy that has enough gravity to attract two blockers instead of one. And we, you know, the first you, you get blocked. Sometimes it take one one of their blockers to block two of your guys. Actually, going back and looking at it, they hit he'd hit him on the first, uh, like basically initially give him an initial punch and then get to the second level and hit another guy. And you're like, oh, what? You got two guys. Yeah. <laughs> so sorry, can, sorry. Go no, ahead. no, that's kind of, that's all I was gonna say. It's yeah. just it's it's that inability to get penetration. And, and the frustrating thing is we we've seen, you know, the end of it, the individual pieces. On this D line, we've seen them in various times during their careers. Whether we're talking about Alfred Collins or Tavondre Sweat or Keandre Coburn, and we've seen them be disruptive. Yep, we've seen them make plays. I don't know if it's they didn't truly buy into the scheme. If the scheme itself was flawed, it goes back to your point last week, Rod. The, the overarching theme of this Texas defense was, and it was so bad, I I can't tell what you were wanting to get accomplished. What you're what your premise was. Yeah. I what mean, your focus he was. said he wanted to be aggressive. I remember when he said that on defense. But I agree with you. I don't know if the scheme reflected that. Maybe uh, PK initially wanted to be more aggressive defensively and then realized all the deficiencies on the defense and then probably said to himself, well, I could roll the dice uh, almost every down, but man, we would, you know, we'd be giving up tons of chunk yardage. In retrospect, I'm saying, <laughs> You did give up tons of chunk yardage anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> your, your, your opponents got, got, what, six yards per play, 5.2 yards per rush. So in retrospect, I do think PK should just roll the dice more. Yeah. And I think he, he, you know, it caused more chaos. And I, I think chaos, oftentimes, if you just look at the, you know, kind of the aggregate over time, I do think it benefits the defense more oftentimes than not, just creating chaos, mm-hmm. uh, kind of the chaos theory. And, and Jim Knowles is a big fan of that. So I, I think the Texas probably should have been more, way more aggressive and tried to dictate the tempo. If you look at some of the games early on, they were, right, when they got those leads. And then, of course, uh, they allowed their opponents after that to kind of dictate the terms to them. And at least when you've already decided, say, you know, you aren't that great of a defense. Now it's hard for maybe coaches to accept that, but being you have to be self-aware. And then in those situations, if you're already giving up those big old runs, at least give yourself a chance to win, get the win or reward on both ends because you already know they're bad stopping the deep ball. You can't stop the run. Like, if you're already losing on both ends, why not take the risk? And this, is, you know, this is on Sark, too, okay? And, you know, and I talked about this this past season. 
Sark, God bless him. Happy birthday, Sark. We're recording this on his birthday. Oh, yeah. Happy birthday, Sark. He was, he was foolhardily committed to playing complimentary football. And he kept dropping that term. He stopped dropping it, I think, after, like, game eight. And he was like, all right, you know what? You know, complimentary football. No. All right? Uh, he kept <laughs> trying to play complimentary football. And I think what he wanted to do was get that lead, right? Yeah. They win the game, the battle of preparation and game planning. Get that lead. And then the opposing team, what usually happens when they have to come back in the big league, right? They get desperate. They start passing the football mm-hmm. more. They're predictable. And then you can get after them. And you can kind of dictate the play tempo and blitz. Yes. But what happened in Texas was weird because teams, didn't start passing the football. They didn't get desperate against Texas. They decided, no, 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 no. We're going to work smarter, all right, not harder against you. We're still going to hand the damn football off because the film study that we watched said you mm-hmm. cannot hold up against the run for four quarters. You may be able to hold up against for one, for two and a half, but not for four quarters, so we're going to keep handing the ball off. Teams were down double digits against Texas. They're down two touchdowns, three touchdowns, and kept running the football. It was like, uh, it was crazy. You never yep. saw that. And that, to me, says their opponents are watching film and saying they can't they can't hold up not for four quarters they may be able to stop us here and there but if we just keep pounding the rock against Texas they will submit mm-hmm. and that's exactly and, that, and, and everybody proved it over time so teams oh, yeah. didn't I thought they would pass the football more I think Sark did too which is why he kept preaching complimentary football complimentary football we're gonna get the lead they're gonna get desperate they're gonna pass the ball and then we're gonna blitz the hell out of them we're gonna make plays on the football because they're gonna be predictable and then we're gonna get an even bigger lead you were half right. You got the <laughs> yeah. big lead, but then your defense did not hold up because those teams decided, no, no, we're still going to run the ball against Texas in the second half, and then they maintained that. And then you offensively, you also got a little bit conservative. All right, You stopped using all the cheat codes that got you the big lead in the first half. You stopped rolling the dice. You stopped being that very aggressive play caller also. So it all flipped. You, I mean, so I think the, 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 the formula for him trying to be – you know, this this well-rounded football team that played complimentary football wasn't going to work for you. Yep, you that's not have, being self-aware. Yeah, you, exactly. You you, you should have known my defense can't hold up. I got to win this damn thing with offense. I got to go big, old Big 12 style. Offense mm-hmm. is special teams. That's what we're going to win games with. If our defense gives us something, great. But otherwise, I can't count on them. And you should have known that. You yep. should have known that three games, four games in. Let me – we talk about strength conditioning. But the th- the the formula needed to change because I'm j- I'm just looking at snap numbers from PFF, right? Mm-hmm. And let's take a guy like Keandre Coburn. I'm looking at your D line, and when we talk about all the depth this defensive line was supposed to have, I remember that. I'm, let's just I'll just look at your leaders in D line snaps last year. Okay, Moro Ojemo four thirty one, Keandre Coburn three eighty nine, Tavondre Sweat three fifteen, Byron Murphy two ninety eight. And then I got to go all the way down to Vernon Broughton with 179. Were your starters, were your top two or three guys just playing way too many snaps? Did Alfred Collins play less than Broughton? Uh, Alfred Collins listed as an edge. Okay. For so he was at 328. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Did your frontline guys just play too much? I don't, that's a good question. I mean, maybe they just didn't trust the drop off with the, uh, the, the guys they had on the depth chart behind them. Because it varied. I mean, I remember at the beginning of the year, I actually have the snaps, I think, written down. It was like two snaps in the first game for Collins, and then it was still minimal, like 10 or something. And then by game three, he started to at least see okay. a decent amount. But it seemed like there was a revolving door where there was a game or two for every player that almost didn't get that many snaps to where overall for the season, 
you have a handful of guys accumulate them, but it did seem like if you were playing that day, you were playing heavy snaps. Maybe it was a matchup based thing. Yeah. I'm just trying to figure it out on the fly. Like in like Coburn, but then but Rod, I think this goes back to your point of the defense couldn't get off the field. We talk about how bad they were on third down. And your defense like <laughs> Yandre Coburn's snap total like in twenty nineteen, he played four hundred and seventy eight snaps. We know how bad that twenty nineteen defense was yeah. on third down. But it went down to three ninety one in twenty twenty. Okay, you only played ten games. But in ten games, you had two more games. He was at three eighty nine last year. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I it, it's possible that he's playing too many snaps considering uh, conditioning has been, uh, stamina has been a question about Keandre Coburn. I'm not picking on Coburn. I'm just using him as an example. Like, are, are your frontline guys playing too much? And is it, is it a conditioning thing or do do your – but this goes back to player development too and conditioning is a part of that. Do your younger guys, a Vernon Broughton, a Byron Murphy – did those guys either need and Murphy's different because he's a true freshman? Did those guys either need to be developed better? Did you did you not do a good enough job getting some of your backup guys ready for prime time snaps? Or like in the case of Byron Murphy, who was productive when he was on the field, he was. did you just not trust your young guys enough we to play tr- more snaps? We, well, we know trust was a factor, <laughs> right? Um, in some decisions that the coaches made. Yeah, I mean, I think it probably is, it's probably a multitude of things. It's probably a little bit of. What you talked about with you know the play, they they didn't think the players were ready. Probably a little bit of you know the development issue, which is something that's haunted this program for the last ten years, and it's probably the coaches. Obviously, the evaluation was off. We've admitted that the coaches mm-hmm. have all but admitted that too. The, t- the team that they evaluated in the off season, the preseason, early on in the season is very different than the team that they ended up having mid season and late in the season. All right, so their evaluation was way off too, and I think maybe that was part of it. it I think now hell, all spots are open, potentially. Oh, they, they should be. Yeah, exactly, because they do want to find out what they missed last year. Because last year I think they went into it with some uh, with some assumptions about the roster. And I don't know if those assumptions came from film study or, you know, last year just kind of the narrative that was built, but they came some, with some assumptions that were flawed, obviously, for what the coaches, from their methodology and what they started. Yeah, so – that's one thing I wanted to look at is can some of these young guys push some of the veteran guys? We'll get to Alfred Collins mm-hmm. in a second. But, like, Rod, to your point about all jobs being open, man, I think Byron Murphy could leave spring ball as a starter. Oh, yeah. I think he was like I think he was that good last year. When you turn him loose and let him play. So if you're looking at, like, breakout candidates this spring, Byron Murphy might be the very top of my list. I can see that. He was one of those little fire hydrant guys. Like he did just he seem was like one a of, ball he was of the, energy. You know? He was one of the only guys on that defense, the interior defensive line, that was consistent, anywhere close to consistently disruptive when he was in the game. We talked about how few guys actually got better throughout the year. Probably can mm-hmm. count those guys on two hands from the whole, whole roster. He was one of those guys that actually you could count on that he got better yeah. um, as a young guy. Um, so you would see and Baron Sorrell's another guy. Those young guys. I know we're talking more about edge guys now, but Baron Sorrell's another. You play. I think it was the Tech game. He played he did a lot. Play, yeah. And then we didn't hardly see him again. I, say, I so don't know if that was matchup based or maybe somebody had an injury or something that they didn't want to expose. I'm not sure was what the that staff was. overthinking it. I, I don't know. When you look across the board, you know, since you brought up Murphy, yeah, he's literally the only player that I can see that grades out above average in every category according to PFF. Wow. On the nice D-line. find. Yep, man, you got the green all the way across the board. So pass rush, tackling, run defense, and just overall, he doesn't have a coverage grave, obviously, but you look across the board and he's above, well above average. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the beauty of opening everything up and just saying jobs are open. I mean, honestly, at this point, guys, 
I'm going to we, we're going to go with the the player that earns the job uh, and the player that makes the most damn plays. Period. Because what you were missing on defense last year were just guys that made plays. Nobody wanted to step up and make a damn play. Nobody. I yeah, mean, it's crazy to watch a defense that <laughs> lacked playmakers today. See, I don't think we've it's been a long time since we've had a, a defense at Texas that just lacked playmakers at every level. And I'm, I know that's kind of an insult to the Marvin Olsen because I don't view him in that light. I view him as a guy that makes plays. But late in the season, I think we can all agree he was not that guy. Uh, and I'm going no minimum snap count here, right? Just if you played one snap, you qualify for a mm-hmm. grade. Byron Murphy was the seventh highest graded interior defensive lineman in the Big 12 last year, according to PFF. Okay, there you go. Overall grade. So the and eye t- he, so the scores match the eye test. Like we said, he's he's one of the only guys that was like, yeah, I think he got better. And Every, he, I, just watching him, like, yeah, I remember him getting better. Actually. He had 298 snaps too. That's a good amount of snaps. That is a good amount of snaps. So the coaches see they they noticed that guy, put him out there. Yeah, how he played if, as, as a young then player. I expect him uh, to a, be uh, on the field for the next three years. You know, like if you're already doing that. As a young freshman, you know, that's really good Get you good in a sign. strength and conditioning program, yeah. nutritionist, dietitian. Yeah, he should have get his grown and man every body down soon. type guy. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. And I like his body. Yeah, and oh, I know yeah. Sanders, but I like I like the way he's built because he was the one that people he's, were laughing about because they're like, oh, he's our Aaron Donald, but like I get what they're saying because his body type exactly. is exactly he's not built as a big. He isn't Aaron Donald? He's not his rotund. body type reminds you. Yes, because it's all muscle. He's kind of built like one of those kind of just. Very, a very muscular, stout guy. This is where that's I, not necessarily big. This is where I think some of the metrics, could, to an extent, can help validate the eye test. The three highest graded interior defensive linemen, and all these guys, again, on a minimum of one snap played, mm-hmm. were top nine guys in the Big Twelve in terms of in, how the interior D linemen graded. Moro Ojimo fifth, Byron Murphy seventh, Devondre Sweat ninth. Ojimo's fifth. Fifth, the fifth highest graded interior D lineman wow. in the Big Twelve. I didn't expect that. Okay. Byron Murphy seventh, mm. and Devondre Sweat ninth. Yeah, okay. and I mean Ojimo would be elite if it wasn't for his penalties. tackling grade being and his and, penalties. And He's tackling. got a ton of penalties, and he's ta- and he misses a lot of tackles. Yeah. Yep. So like that's going to affect yeah. you a lot there. To where that lowers it because I mean you look at him against the run, he's as elite as it gets. Eighty one point nine. Yeah. Go look at his penalties too. I think he's one of the most penalized players on defense. A lot of penalties. But here's the well, and they weren't aggressive penalties like the line I kind of like. The yep, he was punking somebody. They were like yep. dumb penalties. Yep, he had five. Yeah, the the late hits. Yeah, and they the, were like, eh, I'm not. Yeah, the encroachment stuff. It was weird. Yeah, um, the 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 missed tackle thing is interesting because honestly, this is and I don't know. This is just me kind of spitballing. As I think about it initially, without really thinking about it. So again, I'm just going off the cuff. I don't mind my interior defensive lineman missing tackles because, in theory, no, you're right. A missed tackle means he's getting penetration. He's in position to make a play, but if he's making the ball carrier bounce it or change directions, I should have a defensive end or a linebacker or a safety, somebody run fitting and filling a gap that could be there to clean it up. On a good defense, yes. If they're missing tackles, then that's a problem. But you're right, 100%. He does his job, but then the rest of your defense still has to do their job. Yeah. And then his missed tackles stand out as, okay, he needed to make more tackles because nobody behind him was getting it done. No, that's true. That's a good point. I agree with you. Um, I just said in a perfect world in Texas, defense wasn't there. But you're right. Somebody should be cleaning that up. Didn't happen enough. It isn't as costly as, say, like last week when you're a safety. He's disruptive. That's what I'm saying. No, he's disruptive. Um, And that's what you want your D lineman to be. 
And that's why he has such an elite run defense grade. It's just the few times with the tackling things. His BGO is actually really good. Ojimo gets off the ball. Yeah. I'd say the same thing about Byron Murphy. Mm-hmm. I like that too, yeah. Uh, and then Tavondre Sweat. I mean, we're just talking about a guy that was coming off a pretty significant shoulder surgery. So he didn't get the full conditioning, full summer mm. to go. And then I also, I'm not, not, what I'm about to say, I'm not excusing it because everybody was dealing with it. But you look at the 2020 offseason and when guys were kind of left, had they had to be on their own to work out and eat right. And everything. What's, what's the one group of guys you worry about when they're on their own and they don't have a dietitian or a strength coach Lineman. breathing down their neck? Good Lineman. point. Yeah. yeah. And I wonder how many of those guys that were in the program that year, how many had their development stunted by just bad habits they picked up again during COVID. Totally agree. Yep. Yep. So guys just didn't have the discipline to do yeah. it on their own. I'm with you. When you yeah, can't be at the point. facility all the time. Like yeah. sometimes those things, the best thing is, is like at the office has to be open to go into work a lot of the time. No, mentally, you know? I agree with you on that's a good point. Because Ojemo is the only one of the offensive or defensive linemen. You could probably throw Christian Jones in there maybe, but he was just not very good last year. Ojemo might be the only group, unless you guys can think of anybody else from the 18 and 19 classes that would have been in the program during the COVID year that you've seen him make progress. Oh, yeah, I love Ojimo's progress. But he's this is a kid, yeah. smart, self-starter, played at a high school program at Katy. Rod, you know a lot about mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Was a baby at one point on this roster, right? I think he was 16, 16? 16 when he got Which to is crazy. Campus. So that crazy. dude's draft ability, yeah, that's a good point also just on the growth. And him yeah. already having some elite skills, like that could be. He's moved around that D-line, well, was too. It? Uh, yeah. yeah, there was a guy that the Texans drafted. Uh, not Moby Okoye. Yeah, there mm-hmm. you go. He was the same thing because yep. he was like draft eligible at age 20 or yep. something. Yeah. 19. But Ojimo understood being in that Katie program, you play for a coach like Gary Joseph in that program, you you know what it's like to work. Yeah. Um, and I'm not knocking into the other high school coaches that have some of those guys, but he's the only one in that group that I can say, yeah, he's you can see progress. Go through the other guys in those two classes, and I just don't see a ton of progress. Yeah. And I wonder how many guys just fell back on bad habits during the COVID year, and it's taken them a while to get back at it. Are we saying that we should now be dividing up some of Coburn's snaps among more impactful yeah. defensive linemen, interior D linemen? Yeah. Okay. Not because I'm in agreement with that. I just want to make sure that's where we're going. Yeah. Well, I and, wouldn't, yeah. Especially if especially, you're already sort of pl- platooning some guys in the situations. Well, you put, you no put the players in their be- mo- most advantageous situations. Well, now we're talking about guys' development of guys that we want to see more from, like mm-hmm. a Vernon Broughton's of the world. I think we're all in agreement that Alfred Collins, who's a prodigy, should be one of those guys that move, you move around the chessboard. Having yep. him just play one shade is almost doing him a disservice. He should be one of those guys you're moving around to find a matchup advantage depending on who you're going to play that week um and you know but so considering you know now looking at uh you know the scores and the pff grades of guys like Savandre sweat and ojimo yeah i do think the coaches need to be a little bit more deliberate in how they're dividing up those reps and yeah it's going to be obviously to the um I obviously it's going to be upset about it, but it's going to be to the detriment of Keandre Coburn and his reps. Because I think we're looking at it now, and he may be your fifth best interior D lineman when it's all said and done, potentially after the spring. Well, I just gave you the top three. You gave me he, three. He's not, he's not in that group. He's not in that group. If and you then, go to graded Big 12 defensive lineman, you had those three in the top nine, and next was Coburn at 37th. Okay. Well, and then there's nothing against the individual, but if you're a fifth-year guy anywhere that you're at in college, it's already sort of writing on the wall that, you know, you haven't had that upside. Otherwise, you wouldn't be a fifth-year guy 
in college. So whenever there's a younger player that's having flash plays or things like that or developmental situations, like you have many reasons to have them be taking some snaps away from a guy like you, but you also can provide a good depth. You you don't necessarily expect those guys to go into the portal. They're sort of what you want your program when you become a deep program to have guys like that. It's yeah. just like you normally have that guy ends up missing out compared yeah, to and the young you're, guys. And you're bringing in a class of, of D-linemen. So, yeah. I can say the same thing for Coburn that I said last week or two weeks ago whenever it was about Deshaun Jameson. Like, Coburn, to me, is too good of a player to have as pretty nondescript of an impact oh, as yeah. he had last year. But just his leadership alone. But to Matt, what you said about Byron Murphy, like, you look at his PFF grades, like, he's above average everywhere. Mm-hmm. Coburn's pretty much below average everywhere. And I think... To, to back up your point, right, about giving him less snaps, instead of giving him 400 snaps where it's not really that consistent, I would rather give him 250 mm. to 275, knowing those snaps are probably going to be pretty productive. Higher Max, quality, high quality it, snaps. Max yeah. exertion. Yeah, you know? And, and you, you can put him situationally. Yep. You know him so well now, situationally, where does he you know, obviously Succeed. do the most damage, impact, impact the game the best? Exactly. Where you put him in the best place where he can be successful, where he can help the team the most, and I think actually maybe the best thing for him. Now, he may look at that a certain way, but I think he is – mature enough now, as you talked about, as being a senior, where he understands, all right, you know what, I he's looking around that room. Trust me, and I did mm-hmm. the same thing when I was in the DB room. When I They brought in a Nathan Basher and Michael Huff yep. and Cedric Griffin. I went, oh, <laughs> these guys are definitely going to be better than me at one point. I'm just, uh, it's not going to happen today. I'm right? not taking my job. So it just uplifted the overall competition level in the room. But, I'm just, but I stayed at a high level. All right, I stayed competing at an all-American level. You ain't getting that from Keandre Coburn. So I think ultimately the competition may overtake him, which means, yeah, taking some of his reps. But situationally, yeah, you oh, yeah. goal line and your short yardage. Yeah, he can eat up Early blockers. on in the game, he should be your guy because he kind of helps set the tone, all those different things. It's just like Jameson, you, you repurpose him. I love that. Yeah. You don't discard him. You repurpose him. I love you, that idea. I would venture to guess we won't see any of them on, like, third down. You'll see them early downs, like you're saying, first yeah. and second or goal line. And in certain matchups, you may not see them in there if they don't have, say, you know, if they have a more athletic line or doing more screen exactly. games, running them laterally. But against certain teams that are just going to line up and pound it, like, say, Gundy or somebody, you're going to go and probably need somebody to eat up some blocks. Like, like when you play Tech this year, was that Kitley and they are going back oh, to yeah, more no. of the true kind of area? Raid, there might not be but like maybe 20 snaps for Coburn in that game and that's just going to be the way it is The way because if they, you need a pass play, rusher I would rather give Moro Ojimo and Byron Murphy and maybe even sweat some of those snaps and maybe that's a game Matt to your point what you just said if you and Rod to back up your point Matt you're talking about you know maybe utilizing smaller packages in some places Rod you're talking about make Alfred Collins a matchup game-to-game based on where you need him the most, mm-hmm. he's probably taking Coburn's interior snaps that game because you probably want faster guys on the – faster, quicker, more athletic guys on the edge. Totally agree. Yeah, because you can't, like, say against Kitley, when you're going up against a team that's going to throw the ball 70% of the time, that means those 30% runs – they aren't all coming on first down. It's like you don't even know when. Therefore, mm-hmm. Coburn really can't be out there. Yeah. Because like it's going to break tendencies. It's he. It's going to just screw things up on that end. To where that's a game where unfortunately a guy like him probably just it's like a big man in basketball in certain matchups. You just don't have a spot in the field today. But if you are self aware, there. 
plenty of players that know those things. If you enjoy the sport and watch the film, you can see that you aren't in the most advantageous situations. You don't want to put bad tape out there. Yep. You know that you're vulnerable, and that's when you actually can be something that can help your team and still also be a commodity that's useful. Totally but by decreasing his snap total, too, similar to our idea about moving Deshaun Jameson to safety, which isn't going to happen this spring, it doesn't look like, at least based on the roster mm-hmm. we saw revealed, Um you can help his NFL value because he's not going to go to the league and be a 300, 400 snap guy. No, no way. <laughs> no way. Got no chance. He'll go there and be a depth guy that situationally could help the team pretty yeah. much if he's got a shot there. Um, but, no, I, I think I think it's, like I said, he may look at it as an insult, I think, ultimately for the coaches trying to put their best 11 on the field. Going back to something you brought up, mm-hmm. Jeff, that should be part of their goal, too. we got to get the best 11. Who are our best 11? If you don't come out of the spring knowing who your best 11 players are for the fall on defense, once again, I'm going to say that's a failure. That's a failure at the highest level. That's a failure of your evaluation overall. You should know who your best 11 players are and then be trying to construct and build a defensive model and an identity around getting those guys on the field the most. Yep, and you look at it, Sark and his situation, it isn't as if he's had these guys for five years. If you, Tom Herman's still here, you may have an emotional attachment to a guy where you don't, you don't want those things, but they happen. It's life. It's part of being a human in this situation where Sark, you know, when any new coach coming into a new situation, they sort of have. They always talk about the clean slate, those things, and also they aren't going to be necessarily tied to an upperclassman the way sometimes certain situations would be. Yep. That's why, you know, when when a new staff comes in, that's why you see a couple guys at different position groups that were cast-offs mm-hmm. for the previous regime realize, ah, this guy's getting recruited over, made a mistake. New staff comes in, and I'm like, no, I can, I can use this guy. Exactly like, think, right. about, think about before Mac made the change in 2010, right, the 2010 offseason going into 11. Like, we were all thinking Chris Whaley was a wasted scholarship. Like, you took him as a running back. Good point. Uh, I don't know if he's ever going to play. Here comes Bo Davis and says, "No, oh, this guy's athletic enough. I, I can, I can do something with this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can, I can repurpose him. Yeah, no, and that, honestly, that's how you you really start talking about turning around programs. That's a big yeah. part of how you do it too, right? Yeah. Is you because no, you don't want wasted scholarship. You guys talk about the the boom and the bust rate all the mm-hmm. time of of these these recruiting classes. That's a, that's how you save a kid from becoming a you know a quote unquote bust in the bust rate. That's how you keep him from being in the yeah. bust rate. No, no, we'll repurpose this guy. All right, he's going to give us some valuable snaps. He may not become a starter for us, but he'll become a contributor for us. And then you keep on bringing more and more guys away from that bust rate. Mm-hmm. That's how you start turning things around because then you don't you kind of uh, you kind of lift the floor of your program that way, right? Those guys who are you know they're you know kind of bottom feeders on the roster. You don't know really what you're going to do with those guys. And they, I mean, I, they, they tried to do that with OJ McClintock like a million times yeah. with Texas. They these were not way they did not want to because he was such an athletic freak. He, was he like, went from safety down oh, to D-line. Mark the, the O.J. McClintock spot on your Longhorn Blitz bingo card right? this week. Like, they went wide receiver, tight end, and then he went to linebacker, yeah. I think, D-line. tight end. Dude, four different spots. But he was a freak. But they didn't – Matt, you're right, going back to your point about Mac. Mac, Mac didn't want to race guys on it. He wanted to bring guys out of that potential bust rate or that bust factor. So I think that's a big part of it. You look at guys and you say, how can they help us? That's why I'm, How can you help us? That's why I'm <laughs> disappointed that the Tom Herman era ended the way it did because you go back to his first year and even into year two, how many guys did they repurpose? Like we did a whole mm, podcast where we were talking about Puna Ford is just a guy. He's just a guy. He's just mm-hmm. a guy. He ends up being a Big 12 defensive lineman of the year. It was a really big part of why you were so good on defense in 17. The Andrew Beck is another one that was, eh, mm-hmm. I don't know what he is. 
He's an active roster NFL player right now. Yep. Because of how they were able to transition him exactly to right. a full time inline tight end, and he's getting paid for it now. Mm-hmm. Totally. Agree. And there, those aren't the only two guys we've talked about. Did you know, they did it with Andrew Davis. The way they did Lil Jordan Humphrey, the way they used yeah. him, I thought you know, Lil Jordan, It was kind of like, how are they going to use this guy? Yeah. He's coming in. I don't know what he plays. Quarterback, wide out, running back. He's like, no, no, no. Nobody's going to use him on a the flex regime tight end it with Charlie Strong. We pointed out John Harris had single digit targets, and then he becomes like a. Leading receiver, you know, like they got the something. They got something out of Antoine Davis. PJ Locke is an oh, NFL yeah. player Jason now. Hall. Yeah. Jason Hall. I was like, oh, I don't know what we're gonna do with Jason Hall. He ended up having some good contributions for that for that group early on. Well, even going to the offensive lineman, a guy like Elijah Rodriguez oh, became yeah. a player of significance. Like that that staff, we we bag on that staff a lot, but. Those first two years, they did a really good job of, of saving some guys and well, repurposing some guys. But then they, you know, then they thought they made it, right? Yeah. We're back. <laughs> They're like, we did it. Woo, that wasn't too hard. That was easy. And it's like, well, you're not done yet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was a big part of it, too. They stopped grinding on little details that you just brought up. That, so, that's the key to turning around a program. Rod, you know, little tiny details, like when, your wi- when your wife asks you to clean the house and it's like, all right, I'm off the floor because I'm done. <laughs> Not done yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I got this whole list done? of things. That's just the first thing on the list. A whole like, list what? of things for you to do. That's what you're supposed to do every week. That's exactly. Uh. No, that is true. No, that's like I do that a lot. She's like, she's like, baby, I need some help with this. Like, okay, now help do the one thing. Sit back on the couch, go watch Rodney's my movie. on his phone. Yeah, yeah. She's what like, she's like, what you doing? She's like, I needed help. I'm like, I helped you. She's like, yeah, with one thing. I need help with like eight other things. I'm like, oh damn, I would have agreed to help if I knew you were gonna make me get off the couch and do nine different things. Yeah, you get hustled all the time. Tetris is going to have to wait for a little bit. <laughs> right. Uh, but now everybody knows how the arguments go in my house. Um, but no, uh, repurposing guys, and part of that is developing young guys too. As the older guys, you figure out what to do with them, how to maximize their roles. You're hoping the younger guys become guys of consequence. And we kind of talk about this with the secondary a little bit, but there just aren't that many bodies back there. Of everything going on on defense, I really think this This is the one thing I'm excited about is how many of these young guys on the interior defensive line and at these edge positions mm-hmm. can become players of consequence this spring. Okay. Like, like that. Can we, by the end of spring, can we look at a Baron Sorrell or a David Aviara or Prince Dorba, DJ Harris, take your pick and say, man, I think that guy's going to be a player. Mm-hmm. It looks like he can help them win games. I like that idea. That's what I'm excited about. Yeah, we mm-hmm. said the same thing about, you know, the old line, right? We was like, you're going to have to have two or three guys come out of nowhere and re- be contributors for you and help you out for you to bring this old line to serviceable, all right? And this defensive line, considering where they were last year, yeah, you're going to have to have some of those stories where, you know what, we didn't see this guy becoming a contributor. We didn't see this guy demanding reps on the field. But you know what? He's got to play. I, w- I want to hear that old Todd Orlando quote about Chris Brown. No, we got to play him. And I was like, you got to play Chris Brown? He's like, no, listen, people, we got to play this guy. He's making so many damn plays. We'd be idiots now. We got to play him. He's one of our best players. I want to hear that about one of these defensive linemen out there. I know we got to play this guy. You remember uh, guy? That, that guy? Chris Brown? Yes. It turns out he was right. I remember uh, I remember the spring spring of 08. Blake Gideon as a freshman enrollee and Earl Thomas. I remember, uh-huh. Dwayne King I saying, remember that. They're going to start in safety. <laughs> You're going to start a true freshman Who's a position? It was a high school quarterback. Is a position yeah. conversion, and Earl and Earl <laughs> and Thomas. Thomas? Yeah. They're starting safeties. That guy's like five. Earl Thomas like five eight. Five, and him nine, and Muschamp like, no, trust us. <laughs> These guys are good. 
<laughs> right. We didn't want to do it, guys. Well, they, dem- they demanded these reps on the field. We We're have up. to play them. Okay. It's yeah, a great exactly. point because exactly. those are the guys that Kate Stars out. was like that earlier. It's like, no, we got to play this freshman. It was like, you going to play a true freshman? Say, no. He's going to play. That's he when was, you know you have play. a good coach, too, because you just totally don't care where the tide is. You aren't even listening to it. You are just going to go out there and play the person that's the best. Like, yep. It's literally what those are like the moneymaker plays in daily fantasy. Like anybody can find the good player that's going to be good. You need to find those guys that excel, that nobody else see those things in them and make exactly that right. fit that can really help unlock your team. Like we talked about how Dwayne Aquino was eventually right about Mikel Thompson. <laughs> Eventually, I guess it took him a long time. He didn't he even was. get to coach him in that in that one good year he and had. They, and he yeah. got drafted. He got drafted ahead of Quandre Diggs. People forget that. Yeah, Quandre. Oh man, love that. Some money. Love that. I heard Quandre's healing up really well. Oh, love yeah. that, Mikel Thompson's story. Shout out Quandre. Shout out my man Quandre. We, we love, love you, brother. Uh, man, maybe it's a young. It's a. It's a, an enrollee like Justice Finkley, man. I'm just telling exactly. you, man. The, you watch the tape, and I've talked to Mike Roach. Has seen these guys. I saw a little bit of Jamon Tapp down at the All-American Bowl, I didn't see any guys on this roster last year. The practices I watched, the games we watched, going back and watching games, that were that just twitched up and had that kind of explosiveness off yep. the edge that Justice Finkley has and that Jamon Tapp has. These are different kind of cats. I agree with that. I'm not comparing them to this, but it really kind of reminds you of when Roy Sloan and BJ got to campus. It's a different breed of cat. Texas yeah. suddenly had a wide receiver. Yeah, they looked different than the rest of the wide receivers that had been there. It's like, oh, this wide receiver group don't look the same. Yeah. yeah. That, that, that's kind of the start of it. You need that on that D-line. You'll be able to tell. The eye test don't lie. No. <laughs> Sorry, Artie Ellis and Brandon Healy. You guys are going to have to go do something else. <laughs> Come on, man. Don't be, don't be disrespecting <laughs> B. Healy. B. Healy. Oh, man, Artie Ellis. Oh, it is true, school, though. Like, yeah. whenever you see that time, I still remember back a yeah. decade ago whenever our people was like, okay, well, this guy, he's the best player in baseball, but he's not going to be in the majors. He's in the minors, but Mike Trout will be called up in June and will mm-hmm. be the best player day one, and he was. Like, sometimes you just spot those things in their yeah, right It's like him. that LeBron hype. Remember LeBron? Oh, like, yeah. It's like, no, he's going to be, like, the top five player as soon as he gets to the league. It's like, that can't be true. There's <laughs> no way it can happen. It's and like, it really was. Yeah, it was same like, with Tiger like, Woods. Like, that good is that good. Yeah, it's that. Yeah. yeah. I love those kind of stories, man. I love them. Hopefully Texas has those kind of – you get really, that's why people get hype, right? The Troll and Mary hype was That's what Vince ago. Young hype was because nobody – I mean, you didn't yeah. see the – like, in, unless you lived in Houston and actually watched Vince yeah. or knew about the folklore. Or events oh. you just heard people tell those stories when he got to Texas, but then like he had bus sixty five yard runs left and right as a freshman. It's like, oh wait, yeah, yeah, I see. What yeah, you're the about. red shirt thing <laughs> kind of kills the buzz on that, kind of like Troy Mears' injury. You're right, but yeah, the, yeah I mean, I remember that too. Obviously, uh, you know, R- Ricky was. I remember Ricky's freshman year. It was kind of like, hey, this was guy's like a little this? bit different. Roy, yeah. The first one that I really remember though, and I just use him as an example, man. When Texas got Roy Williams. Just the legend of him in high school yeah. mm-hmm. being, you know, this guy that was, I think Roy at one time was like 6'6". Six, six. What was Roy really like 6'2"? <laughs> yeah, because the folklore is like his track times. was like, yeah, he ran a 10. He ran a 10-1. It was like, what? what, what? And he's 6'6". Like, he got faster every time. He was a, he's a 29-foot long jumper. Was he Bob Beeman? Like, <laughs> Did he set the world record? Like, what happened? But no. Right, yeah, yeah. But Cedric then Vincent watch him on the field, and it's like the, right. you watched Roy on the field and, and like, went. The substance matched the hype, and you're like, oh, my gosh, this, no, no, guy, this guy ain't going to be here very long. I remember them Vincent talking about uh, Roy Williams way. and how freaky he was, and it did. It matched. I told, and I, I passed it up to the Detroit Lions. Mm. I would like to think that me and Sean Rogers were a big part of why they drafted Roy Williams because they had just drafted, because they 
Detroit Lions. They drafted they drafted like three wide receivers in a row in the first the round. Late Charles Rogers. And they had just drafted Charles Rogers from Michigan State. I love Charles Rogers. You know, shout out Charles Rogers. Um and he had um like listen, he <laughs> he was just a skinny dude. I had never seen a receiver that skinny in my life, I'm not gonna lie. Like I he, His body type was unique. It was weird to see a receiver that skinny. You just don't think you even draft a receiver that's that skinny. You yeah. were talking about, too, like his chest was kind of sunk in. Yeah, no, it was, just, it was crazy, man. I mean, it was like pookie. From like, yeah. It was like, did like, they ever see his shirt off before he was, like, was, it, was like, it was like watching pookie run routes. I swear. It was crazy. And I kept saying to myself, listen, guys, if y'all drafted that guy in the first round. Y'all drafted him second overall. Second overall. And I, and I told like, you, me and me and Sean Rogers would always say, he's like, Roy Williams is better than that guy. If Roy's there like, at seven. They would ask him, he's like, he's better. I was like, Roy Williams is better than that guy. I'm telling you right now, he's better than him. Y'all drafted him number two overall. He's better than him. And they drafted Roy, and Roy was better. Like, boy, he pulled some freaky things out there in Detroit, too. Like, one hand he catches across the middle. I mean, yep. he proved his freakiness. But, yeah, Roy's always been one of those those guys. Derrick Johnson was like that, too. Yeah. Yep. Derrick Johnson, we got a lot of hype about Derrick Johnson coming in, and he exceeded the hype. That true. dude was just unbelievable. Ced- but Cedric Benson might have been the most, of that era, Cedric, Cedric Benson might have been the most hyped guy in that he, era. He was one of those guys, too. Great point. Yep, and Texas got all those guys in a row. You got I Roy know. in 2000, and well, Sims 99, Roy 2000, said B01, Vince 02. Yeah, and Sims was different too because nobody seen arm strength like that. Oh, I mean, no. That ball would make noises as it come to you. It'll rip your forearm open if you were a normal person. Oh, dude, it's, he separated some dude's shoulder at a camp before. I mean, that dude was a freak too. That's why it, it comes out bringing in freaks. Like you got to bring in freaks like that, man. That's yep. how you know your program is changing. Find you a freak. Find them freaks, man. And I mean. You look now where Stark's got him, man. You talk about Quinn Ewers. You know, X-Man was like already that. Here. People kept telling me X-Man was different. They were like, this dude's a little different, man. They can't nobody cover him out there. I was like, Bijan, exactly. Yeah, Bijan's yeah. a super freak. Yeah, and you got X, yeah. Quinn Ewers. Mm-hmm. You talking about generational arm talent. Yeah. Talking about these twitch, twitched up guys on the edge that can get after the quarterback. Uh, hopefully it pays off, man. I, I just, like I said, I, I can't, that defensive line, and I, I wonder if that the staff rod does as we wrap up here. I wonder if they just do handle that group differently, just because they realize just how off their evaluations were with they that were. group. That, yeah. that that leading up to spring ball, it's like no, we got to go back. It's it's PK because he coaches the edge guys, mm-hmm. and Bo Davis saying we got to go back to work. Yeah, no, we got to go back to square one and figure out which of these guys can play. Yeah, because also, man, that's on you. Those guys, a lot of guys didn't get better, which means you're coaching also. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Your part. job is developing. <laughs> yeah, those guys didn't get <laughs> better. Get when it's here. that bad, there is no there is no entity that is mm-hmm. without blame. Damn right. Or scrutiny. Your name is on it. Own it. So we're done. We're done. Uh, we'll have a big spring preview next week, kind of unanswered questions, looking for breakout players. But our position-by-position position look uh, – it's done. But to your point, Rod, I just want to make this in closing. You know, you talk about not giving up on guys, and we talk about, you know, re- can you repurpose a guy like Keandre Colbert? Because you're, you're going to need him. Yeah, you're going to need him. Uh, to your point about the offensive line, I talked about this. This got brought up on the flagship message board at Horns 24-7 this week. Mm-hmm. Somebody actually had a thread asking me my opinion about the offensive line, and I just kind of went down. I'm like, look, you're starting O-line left to right for the first one practice. It's probably going to be Christian Jones. Junior Angulao, Jake Majors, Hayden Connor, and Andre Carrick. Because even with Cole Hudson as an early enrollee and moving Sawyer Gorham-Welch over there from the D-line to the O-line, 
even with those guys, you've only got 10 scholarship guys this spring. That's so funny. that's what you got. And as a fan, you and everybody's like, oh, I can't believe our line, blah, blah, blah. Like, you might hate it, but unless you're just going to throw those freshmen to the wolves right off the bat, you're going to have to go try to win games with those guys. And you're going to need you need those guys to contribute, even if those right. freshmen come on and so, you want them. Because, unfortunately, injuries are a big part of what happens. And, mm-hmm. of course, you know, those freshmen might go out there and have bad games. And they, you know, might need you to yeah. move things around a little bit. Give them some time to grow. So as a fan, you might hate some of the stuff that we're talking about in hypotheticals, but go look at the depth chart and go look at the roster. These are the guys you're going to have to go win games with. Mm-hmm. And for Sark and Kyle Flood, all the position coaches and coordinators, this is the kind. This is what spring practice is all about: is figuring that stuff out. Because yep. if you're waiting to August to figure it out, you're 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 already behind. Yeah, it's already too late. Already too late. But I I, I like the fact that those guys are going to get a ton of reps in the spring because they're going to need them. Yeah, all of them. I mean, Hayden Connor, I don't have it in front of me, but he didn't play that many snaps last year. You give him a full spring to get starters, reps, and Rod, you talk about it all the time because you've been there. Football is a game where you practice a hell of a lot more than you play. Mm-hmm. And this offensive line needs to try to make that D-line better. They need to make those guys work. Yep. And D-line, you need to try to make life hell on that offensive line. Totally agree. Yep. It's only the only way this bunch is going to get better. And that's the last two groups we talked about. Is it's all about in the trenches. Yeah, line of scrimmage, man. And you go back to the games they lost last year. Arkansas game stands out, but the Oklahoma game, all the games they lost last year, it boiled down to the other team was better on the line of scrimmage than you were. Mm-hmm. Talk about the talk about the worst game for the defensive line. That Matt, didn't you figure out the worst game in terms of their defensive line efficiency was Kansas? Uh, I, one of them, I yeah. believe. It was so. one of the three. Of I think yeah, it was like Arkansas, be. Baylor, Arkansas, Baylor, and Kansas, mm-hmm. or Arkansas, Oklahoma State, and Kansas. And that same group. But Kansas, yeah, Kansas is one of those games. It, it, yeah, it comes down to the line of scrimmage. You've got to be much better on the Yellow West than you were last no year. No doubt. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, that's going to do it. Matt, thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome. Rod, we appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother, anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Redfield Network and the Horn, 104.9-1019, AM1260, streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com, where you can hear Rod and Mike Harge each and every weekday on Ball Don't Lie from 3 to 7. Shameless plug. You can also catch myself and Craig Way each and every weekday on Light the Tower from 10 to noon. And thanks to Matt, you get all of our archives. Our classic interviews and shows are available on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. Search Horns 24-7 anywhere you get your podcast. Just click that follow button. Get every episode of the Blitz, the flagship, and state of recruiting when they drop. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.